Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Hey, everybody. Oh, hey. Hey, Jimbo. How are you doing? I'm just fantastic. Uh, I'm Jimmy, and you're listening to Paradox. I'm Josh. We were talking about contentment, which is an odd subject. I'll grant you that. And yet, this seems to be an issue that permeates so many of the other issues within the home, be it parenting, be it family of origin, be it your spouse, contentment or the lack thereof worms its way into all of these different areas. So last time we talked about kind of when we don't have contentment, if you're discontent or if you if you fail to accept the realities of the way your life is, that's what leads to anger, sadness, resentment, all of these other things. So you, so you can kind of see where contentment or a lack thereof is extremely important within the home. Yeah, I mean, it's not just, I don't think this is an issue just within our home. I mean, as Americans, no taxation without representation. Am you know I right? I mean? We've been You're fighting right. discontentment mm-hmm. for hundreds of years. And so I, I think that, like we said last week, uh, contentment's almost kind of looked on as a negative thing. It, it almost, to the American, seems yes, like laziness. It's something that's pervasive in all of us, but to ever achieve joy, godly joy, joy that, that, that supersedes any and all experiences, we have to have contentment. So I, I think this is, while maybe not a super sexy topic, mm-hmm. it's a really important one. But you're right. It absolutely flies in the face of our culture. In sports, contentment's a dirty word. You can never be content. You satisfied. You can never be satisfied. If you're satisfied in your job, you're a failure. If you're satisfied in your athletic ability, you know, you're a bum. You're never going to amount to anything. Your satisfaction, contentment, acceptance, your second team, you need to accept. You can't accept that. You've got to be first team. You've got to be champion because there's only one cha- first. There's only one first place. And the rest are all losers. And so, yes, this is not a sexy topic. And yet this idea of contentment permeates so much of the relational issues that we suffer with. And a small caveat that I think it's important to understand from the top of this episode is contentment is not a behavioral issue. It is a spiritual and a emotional issue. Mm -hmm. And so you can work your tail end off physically to try mm-hmm. to get to first team, but you need to be able to, while working to get to first team, and even after you get rejected for the third time, lay your head on the pillow at night and be okay with that. I remember, I and forget. So it's work. Yes. I forget who the player was, you probably know, that he lost a game and the World Series or the Super Bowl or something like that. And, he, and in the press conference, he said, it's just a game, people. <laughs> And he was crucified yeah. for saying that. Uh, so 
That's what we're talking about. We're talking about 10 ways in which we can Who obtain contentment. We're talking about practice. Practice. <laughs> Who said it? Alan Iverson. Oh, yeah. Of course I know. Oh, my gosh. What college? Uh, he used to catch for the Mets. <laughs> no, what college? What college what? what? Where did he go to college? Oh, I thought you meant what pro team did he play for when he said practice. What pro team did he play for? He played for the uh, the uh, the um, uh, Celtics. L- ladies, ladies. Sorry, the this is boring. The the, the Boston the Celtics. Celtics. It's yeah. the 76ers. But where did he go to college? Allen Iverson. Yeah, come on. He went come on. to Kentucky. Every basketball player went to Kentucky. <laughs> Not when he was playing. Kentucky wasn't good. No. No, you don't know either. You I just do. Threw it out. It's 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 yeah, similar do. to where you live. Is your clue? Boston College? You live in Georgetown. He went to Georgetown. Oh, I thought you made it rhymed with Austin. Why are we even doing this? Why are we doing this? <laughs> keep going. Keep going. We talked about five things, last, five of the ten last time, of ways in which we can obtain contentment in our relationships. I believe it was last time we talked about how that most marital conflicts cannot be resolved so the, the trick is, and, and again, people with old folks with 40-year-plus marriages have irreconcilable differences. So the trick has got to be this idea of contentment within relationships. How can I live with unresolved conflict? How can I do that long term? Well, we talked about 10 things, five we talked about last time. The first one was gratitude, actually having, stopping, and having gratitude. Number two, Stop attempting to fill the discontentment hole that's in your heart. All the things that I've got to fill up to make up for this thing that I feel as though I'm lacking. Number three, stop comparing as a way of gaining contentment. And I'm telling you, on social media, I was just watching a thing the other night just on how average run-of-the-mill kids are being recruited into ISIS. They're being recruited into ISIS, and these are like, American-born, no ties to the Middle East, cheerleaders, straight-A students, and they're being recruited by ISIS, which leads me to this past weekend. (laughs) I was afraid you were going to go there. I was recruited by ISIS this past weekend, (laughs) and I wanted to share because I thought this would be a good time to share. Why does this have anything to do with... It doesn't. It's just simply the funniest thing. My niece, my... No, excuse me. My little granddaughter, Mabry Meek, was being dedicated at Antioch Community Church in Waco. And so everyone was up there, everybody, all the aunts and uncles and grandparents, we were all there to celebrate all things Mabry. And as we were going, to, going in to drop the children off, the bigger kids, into the nursery, Daniel, your brother-in-law, my son-in-law, went in and there was a little lady who was in charge of the nursery, or one of the nursery ladies anyway, just said, oh, how are you? And she's chatting it up, as good nursery people will do. And she said, so, uh, so you're not from Waco? And, and so Daniel went, no, I'm from, I'm from Austin. And she goes, oh, and you're up here visiting. What, what do you do in Austin? He said, I'm a recruiter. <laughs> and the lady said, with a straight face, she wasn't kidding. Yeah, so, she wasn't kidding. Because if she was kidding, kidding this, I would have gone, wow, you need to beat Locke on Saturday night if you were Correct. actually kidding, because this was really fast. She was not kidding. And she said, oh, what do you do? He said, well, I'm a recruiter. And she went, for ISIS? No lie. That's what came out of her mouth. That's what, And she wasn't kidding. For ISIS. <laughs> for ISIS? And he kind of looked at her and went like, she's huh? not kidding. 
she associates recruitment with ISIS. And he went, no, no. And she was, well, who do you recruit for? And he said, Google. And she said, oh, well, that's better. That's better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would have to say Google. Yeah, Google's better than ISIS. I mean, if you just want to make the distinction. She no more. I can't believe she associated recruitment with ISIS. It was just too good. So what I'm saying is with social media, it has a lot, just our, oh, what I was saying, these people who do recruit for ISIS, not Daniel, my son-in-law, but the other people who actually do, they just find these kids that are spending hours online and they, that are discontented, their words, discontented. Well, they may not be recruited for ISIS, but they can be recruited for severe depression and anxiety. This whole idea of compare, because social Sexual media. experimentation. All sure. it is, is a comparison with other people. So we talked about that last week. Uh, number four, giving to other people. Giving tends to help us have gratitude, therefore be content. And then five, we stop with this one, recognize and reject these cognitive distortions in our minds that we're not good enough, that life sucks, that sort of thing. All right, number six, what we want, how can we gain and, and, and absorb contentment in our marriage, in our parenting, in our homes? Number six, don't sweat the small stuff and it's all small stuff. I know that sounds really good on paper, but this is another type of cognitive distortion called catastrophizing, where we make something out to be much larger than it actually is. We will build something up in our mind until it is catastrophic, unless it happens or unless we get or whatever. And the truth is, it's not catastrophic. I, I hear people all the time in my office, say, well, you know, if he, I just couldn't stand it if he did. Well, what do you mean you couldn't stand it? Well, I mean, I just couldn't. But what do you, are you going to faint? Are you going to pass out? Tell me what it means when you say, of course you're going to stand it. You're not going to like it. It's going to be uncomfortable. It may, you know, force you to have to grapple with anger. But of course you can stand it. But again, it's we keep saying these things like it's true. Yeah, we just did an interview recently with dad tired, Gerard Lopez. Lopez. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Senior Lopez is what Jared respectfully Lopes. called him. I talked about one of the biggest things we see coming into our office is ego. Yeah. And I think this is wrapped up in that idea. And ultimately, the interesting thing is, is we're all self-absorbed as infants. And that's a really good thing. That's really how we survive. You know, my my two-month-old, to, as of today, he doesn't care oh, what I'm doing. Sammy. When he wants to be fed, he's fed, when he wants to be changed. He cries. It's all about me, 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 because it's survival. But then the rest of life is this 80-year process of trying to work yourself out of that self-absorption. But a lot of us, and probably this side of heaven, we can't perfect that, but a lot of us are still stuck with this overinflated ego. We make everything a big deal because everything's broken expectations. About us. I, me, my. In some ways, it comes from a healthy place, this egocentrism. Yep. Number seven, humility. If we truly have humility, then it's very difficult to be discontent if we're humble. Because if we truly believe and we want to be called by Christ's name, you know, what as Jesus was being, I don't know, butchered on the cross, he was just going, hey, you know, what about these other people? He was always thinking about other people. And when he knew that he was going to the cross, what did he say? Hey, I don't want this to happen, but not my will, but yours be done. And if we can ever have this attitude of, hey, I want this to happen, I really want this to happen, or I want to be this, or I want to have that, this, this, wanting this would be really, really cool, but not my will, 
but yours be done. That is almost the definition of contentment. I want this. I think I need this. I think this would really be good, but not my will, Father, but yours be done, because I'm going to be content with with whatever your will is. Number eight, and I love this one, embrace enough. And boy, that's not 21st century America either. Embracing enough. What is enough? What's enough? What's enough? And this is financially, relationally. Everything. What is enough? Food. Internet time, social media time, television time, money, food, travel, clothing. What's enough? Every Christian ought to be, what is a reasonable standard of living? What's a reasonable standard of living? I get it that I don't care. And I tell this to people all the time here in Austin. I don't care if you live in Austin, you're on welfare. Compared to 90% of the world's population, you're stinking rich. If you're on in public housing in Austin, you're stinking rich compared to the rest of the world's population. So those of us that are middle class, upper middle class, oh my Lord, you're a one percenter compared to the rest of the world. So what is enough? What is a reasonable standard of living? And then number nine is the gift of discernment. You know, we talk about the gift of prophecy and the gift of administration, the gift of mercy. We don't talk a lot about the gift, the spiritual gift of discernment. I've always seen the gift of discernment as being almost like the gift of wisdom. You know, it's not just smarts. It's not just how many pros and cons on a page. The gift of discernment is wisdom. What's right in this situation? What is good within this situation? Not just what would be good for me, but what would be good, the gift of discernment. And then 10, contentment and acceptance really also can be summed up in the word trust, in the word faith, because that's what that is. It's assurance of things we cannot see. Maybe I want something different than this, but I trust God. I have faith in God, even though I'm not getting what I want on the time frame that I want it, I'm not discontented because I know that God has my best interest. Therefore, I'm going to trust in God. So don't sweat the small stuff, humility, embracing the content, the idea of enough, the gift of discernment, and just understanding that contentment and acceptance is what trust and faith is in the Christian walk. My drop spent. <laughs> I am just spent. I think I actually crapped wisdom during the past like ten. It's minutes. actually a book that Jimbo's working on. That's Crap, why I've crapping been... wisdom. <laughs> oh, I haven't thought about that. I like it. Yes. So he's thinking about a, a book on contentment and has sent it to several people and has been rejected. Yeah, they don't like it. Yeah. Imagine that. They're not content with it. So no. we might just self-publish the bad boy. Irony. Yep. No, he is working on a book on contentment, and I do think it's such a, a huge, important thing. But sounds so bland. It sounds so bland. It's wah, But wah. at the heart of marital issues, teenage angst and rebellion, parent-child issues, friendship issues, is this idea of pride— and in a lot of ways, comes from these broken expectations, discontentment. As I've shared before on page 417 of the AA Big Book, you know, he says, acceptance is the answer to all of my problems. Hmm. 
Because if I'm upset, it's because I find something unacceptable to me. I've, if I'm upset, I am, it's because I am discontented about it's something I will not accept. Therefore, you can take virtually anything, for the most part, anything that we're mad or sad about, and it in some way filters back down to, I cannot or will not accept it. I am discontented. How would you say, flipping this into an interview, how would you say that you then teach contentment to your kids, besides modeling? Besides modeling? Yeah. No, I was going to say modeling. That's what it is. Nothing but. Do, Do they hear us griping and sniveling constantly about what we don't have? Is that what our conversations around the dinner table, in the car? Is it just this constant state of of what I'm upset about, be it politics? I am so sick of hearing cable news and people just ad nauseum going on and on and on and on about what spectrum of politics that they can't stand, when in all reality, we've got to accept the leadership of this nation that God has in place, because nothing happens in this world by accident. And that's true of our job. That's true of our marriage. That's true of our kids. It's true of the sports teams that they're on. It's true of, of everything, and it, which is why this all funnels, it funnels back to having faith. I mean, I'm telling you, our kids driving back from church hear us griping about the music, griping about the sermon, griping about how hot or cold it was. We are teaching them discontentment. So how do we teach them contentment? Stop. Yeah. Stop the way so many of us live every moment of our everyday life. I would also add that conversations are huge. So whether you're watching a movie with them or television or you see some interaction on social media or at school or at a basketball game, following up and asking them about situations, like if you're watching, I don't know. Game of Thrones. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you're watching with your Game toddlers. of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. No, but just watching a show with them. You know, what do you think about that character? You know, does is he is he showing contentment? What is contentment? How do you feel like his discontentment made the other person feel? And actually digging in, using that as a teachable moment that you cited, Dobson, but using those moments of what do you think about happening here? How did that, how did that make that person feel at the, the lunchroom? Mm-hmm. How was discontentment a part of this scenario? And actually digging in to issues that spring up or entertainment, I think is an important thing as and well. And by the way, real quickly, contentment is not the same thing as just being a loser. I think we're supposed to do all things like we're doing them for Christ. So we should have excellence in all things. We, we be in athletics. We ought to run faster than anybody, work harder than anybody, not because my self-worth depends on it, but because I do everything like I'm doing it for Christ. But it's, I don't have to be number one. We don't have to be winners for me to consider myself a good, worthy human being. I guess that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. If you want more information about this episode, go to paradoxpodcast.com. We have three to four extra steps with this episode if you want more information. You can also follow us individually as well as the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find that information at paradoxpodcast.com. 
as well as uh, we encourage you to review, we encourage you to share the show on whatever app you're using, as well as if you want to give to the show, if you've received anything from it, you can give to Patreon. It's patreon.com backslash paradox. Very nice. And by the way, what is it? We, we got like five bucks. <laughs> Isn't that right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, we did. Holla. <laughs> I don't think we should mention that. <laughs> Why? When I start wearing like extra bling, people are going to notice. No, it's going back to pay for the equipment, oh, Jimbo. Okay. No bling will be purchased with your $5. Guys, uh, have a good rest of your See day. Bye. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to ParadoxPodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. We interview a lot of people, but we have a very special person today. Very. Can you picture her sitting? Oh, my Lord, yes. In the youth group. With her hand up. (laughs) Asking if she can pray or comment. We're talking with Tish Harrison Warren. She's the author of the new book, The Liturgy of the Ordinary. She is a former youth of mine back in the day. You're what now, 60, 65? How old are you now? (laughs) Yeah, nearing 70.